when you give your attention to something, mm. you're buying a ticket for your heart to come along. Ooh. That's what you're paying for. That's mm. what it means to pay attention. The musician John Mayer admitted in a interview with Playboy magazine that he actually prefers fantasy and masturbation to sex with a woman. Mm. Because he talks about how much porn he watches, but it's rewired his brain that he can't enjoy the real thing. The future problem will not be one of dictatorship. It'll be one of distraction. All right, fam, so good to be here as always. Jonathan, great to see you, brother. Come on. Come on. Ted, thanks for being with us. Hey, it's good to be with you guys. Come on, Ted Shimmer from the Freedom Fight. We had you on a previous episode, and we just want to keep the party going. <laughs> Let's we want go, to keep man. the party going, man. I remember... I remember when Scarlett Joe, she's my 12-year-old, when she was born. Um, they First of all, they hand you this baby without any instructions. Oh, yeah. Like we know what we're doing. <laughs> and, we don't know. And I don't know if it was my wife or somebody told me, you know, if wolves can do this, we can do it. <laughs> that was so, your, she set the bar that low was your for hope. Her, man. That was it, man. <laughs> we have hope. I've seen animals do it. We, we got a shot. Right. We got a chance. So I got no instructions, man. I get, I get my baby girl home and... Immediately, I'm thinking about all the dangers in my home, right? Mm. So I go through that baby-proofing my house stage, right, mm. where you're, like, putting the little plastic things on all the cabinets, which is just annoying because every time you had to open a drawer, <laughs> you got to put something and in. Chris proofs it, too. That's it, yeah. I can't even open this. <laughs> so I can't true, get in my own fridge. <laughs> That's so true, man. I lost so much weight during that time. It was great. But everything, man, the cabinets and knives, and um, I have a firearm, so then you're thinking about, man, do I need uh, to put a lock on this, and you got to do this, and you got to do that that so I was so adamant about baby proofing my house and I think a lot of people do that rightly so uh, but the reality is there's there's far greater dangers mm. in our homes you know one of the things we've been talking about um, at length is is just the pervasiveness and the danger the effects of pornography oh, yeah. and and I think you guys mentioned in another episode you know um, there is no such thing as is too young anymore. Like like kids are looking at pornography, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven years old. They're oh, being exposed to pornography. So I want to talk today, and I think I think it's going to be so helpful for our listeners. Just what does it look like to to porn proof our homes? Mm. Like, like 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 what does that mean? Because because Ted, I mean you're the expert, bro. The pervasiveness of pornography is there, right? I mean it's pervasive. Yeah. Like the air we breathe, basically. Mm. Yeah. Well, and you know the Barna Group told us in 2016 that two out of three Christian men are watching porn at least monthly. Wow. But man, for the younger generation, it's even greater. The Freedom Fight. We did a survey in 2019 of 1,350 college students, uh, and these weren't just your typical college students, but these were students who said their faith in Jesus Christ was very important. Mm. They were plugged into a campus ministry, so they're trying to grow in their faith. And almost half of the group that we surveyed were leaders in their campus ministry. So this is our next, you know, these are our next generation mm. of of Christian dads and moms and leaders. Of this group, 89% of these growing Christian men, so they watch porn at least occasionally in the last 12 months. 89%. 89%. 63% were watching porn at least weekly or more. Mm-hmm. One in four of these men were watching porn daily or multiple times a day. Leaders. Leaders. This, over 50% of this group said they were addicted to porn. And so, mm-hmm. man, if the church doesn't wake up, the tsunami is coming. Mm. 
of the impact of, man, this younger generation being hooked, mm. because we've never seen anything like this, yeah. that this much porn um, capturing, man, the young minds and, man, the adolescent brain is more susceptible to addictive substances. And, and so, man, the tsunami is coming of the, of the impact, but it's incredibly pervasive. Man, when I think about, when I think about that, like, I've got three young boys, got a young daughter and I know porn is non-discriminatory, right? It's coming after everybody. Absolutely. You know, and I think about, okay, I've got to shepherd my home well. Yeah. Dr. Williams, I've got to I've got to not only guard my own heart, but I'm responsible for the hearts of those that I that I shepherd. Yeah. You know, under my care. You do an excellent. I've heard you do it twice now. It's one of my favorite talks I've heard you do. But it's and and share with us. It's the story where we go bury the idols out back Ooh, like we yeah. clean the house. Yeah, come on. Unpack that for us for just a second. Yeah, and like you said, I, I think it, it goes back to your illustration. What, what are we letting into the home? Yeah. You know, when someone rings my doorbell, we debate whether or not we answer it. Like, we look through the window, we look at each other, we're like, did you invite them? I didn't invite them. And we just sit quietly, turn off the lights, turn off the TV. Is that when Chris is coming over? <laughs> yeah. We're like, oh, harp, harp, I'm not home, man. So, I'm just standing on the stoop. Like, we are waiting. so selective when we open our door. But when it comes to sin, when it comes to pornography, we just throw the door wide open and bring it in. You know, uh, last week my kids are playing out back, getting all muddy. I made them take their shoes off before they came in the house. I don't want them tracking mud, but, but we let these idols, we let this pornography into the house. Uh, and, and the story you're talking about is in Genesis 35, where God calls Jacob to lead his family to go dwell with God and, and to worship God. And Jacob, you know, he doesn't always get it right. In fact, the chapter before that, I would say he kind of blew it. You know, the would-be, should-be, could-be spiritual leader didn't lead. But in Genesis 35, he does something well. He does something right, and it's an example for us. God says you're going to lead your family to Bethel to dwell with God, to, to worship God, but he knows the main thing that's going to hinder that, the main obstacle that would get in the way are the idols in our hearts and the idols in our home. So he gathers the family, he says, go through the house, get all the idols. He knew they had them. He knew they were there, and for a, you know, a period of time, they were okay with it. But now he's saying, no, it's time to put those to death. They get the idols, and he goes in the backyard, digs a hole, and he buries them. Come on. And then getting rid of the idols, getting rid of those lesser loves, those counterfeit gods, all those things that would capture our worship and affections instead of Christ, he, he buries them, and then he can lead them to go dwell with God to worship him. Yeah. And pornography is an idol, right? Absolutely. It, it's capturing our affections. It's capturing our heart. Yeah. And, and right now, I would say in the family, pornography is one of the main obstacles to us as a family, enjoying Christ, worshiping him, enjoying the peace, the joy, the freedom that he brings, it's the idol getting in the way. Is that what you're seeing, Ted? Oh, yeah. And, and I think, you know, idol is, a, is the appropriate, you know, term because instead of running to Christ, hey, when I have a negative emotion, I mean, people are just medicating on porn, and they're learning to do this from a, from a very young age. Mm. Um, and, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, women earlier in that previous study survey that we did we also, you know, surveyed the women. Fifty-one percent of these growing Christian college women, you know, half of them leaders, they said they were watching porn at least occasionally. One in four were watching monthly or more. Mm -hmm. So it's not just a guy's problem. You know, to your point, um, you know, and as we as we think about the issue, you know, if we look at you know, what the scripture talks about, how important what we let into our mind is, you know, yeah. 
if you think about 2 Corinthians 10, um, you know, chapter 5, verse 5, um, you know, that he says, man, take every thought captive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. That, man, that even one thought is enough to, man, get us going in the wrong direction. And so that's the standard. And, you know, Paul in that passage, he's talking in the context of spiritual warfare. Yeah. And what most parents have no idea is that the enemy is using porn, man, to reach into Christian homes and churches and capture the hearts and minds of a generation. Wow. And, you know, the sad thing is most parents have no idea. Uh, there was a guy in one of my groups recently, um, man, grew up, man, Christian home, Christian church, man, youth group, homeschooled, man, parents doing all kinds of stuff to protect them. At age 11, he got his iPod touch. Mm. He said, man, from age 11, I watched at least an hour of porn a night. An hour a night. An hour, 11 years old. 11 years old until he was 21. He gave his life to Christ, started following Christ. But, man, he had this, this huge addiction. Oh, that's and it. Man, like he said deeply rooted stronghold. Deeply rooted stronghold. Wow. Man, the, the adolescent brain. Parents had no idea. Because yeah. it's so easy to hide, um, that you know, man, and because it's shame causing, it's like, well, hey, I haven't even really talked about this topic of sex with my parents. You know, how can I, you know, talk about this? And um, and so we need to understand this issue from a spiritual warfare issue. Yeah. In that, man, our enemy is is capturing the next generation in a huge way. And most parents, you know, when I'm, I'm talking to guys regularly, and I'm talking about, you know, Christian guys, mm. you know, committed Christian. So, man, what are you doing to, you know, block your kid's access on their phone? Mm. And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, you know, you know, porn, you know. Like, right. Well, man, my kids are good kids. They have and, no boundaries. You know, no it's, like, it's like, bro, it, and as to your point earlier, man, it's not about how good your kid, you know, it's your, your kids may not go look for porn. But porn is looking for your kids. Yeah. And, I, and I would just say this, again, just to help parents understand the dynamics. Uh, one of the guys in my group said, man, when I was in fifth grade, me and my fifth grade buddies would talk to, you know, the kid at school, the, the you know, guy that was, you know, and talk about the, our favorite porn sites. And he's like, dude, I've never looked at porn. And they're like, dude, you got to go home tonight and look at this site. It's like, right. dude, what what's wrong with you? You know, and yeah. it's like, and that was about 15 years ago. That was fifth grade, oh. and so could have been the greatest kid in the world. But when you're getting that kind of peer pressure at school, yeah. uh, that's, you know, that's that's the world teaching your kid. That's the world discipling yeah. your kid. You know, whether we disciple our kids or not, the world will. That's right. Uh, and whether they look for it or not, the world's coming for them. Yeah, and we live in a. You know, I think parents need to hear that. We live in an attention economy, right? So I think it was, I don't know if it was Wales, you know, wrote the end of the world. He wrote it like in the mm-hmm. 1930s. And, and, that's, uh, and in, the, uh, in the book, he said, he said the future, the future problem will not be one of dictatorship. It'll be one of distraction. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember, I remember a few months back, I was, I was telling my boys to pay attention. I was doing something. I was saying, pay attention. And after I left the room, I thought, man, I use that phrase all the time. I have no idea what it means. <laughs> like, what am I paying for, right? So I, so I started doing research. Where did the phrase come from? 
you know, who was the first one to use it. And I come across this thing, and it was so good. And uh, it's it, it said, pay attention simply means when you give your attention to something, mm. you're buying a ticket for your heart to come along. Ooh. That's what you're paying for. That's mm. what it means to pay attention. When I give my attention to something, I'm buying a ticket for my heart to come along. So I think I think parents really need to hear, man, when when we allow our children to give their attention to something, it's not in neutral. Yeah. And I don't care, and I don't think any parent would raise their hand and say, I willingly let my kid watch porn. Mm. I don't care if it's video games. I don't care if it's music, whatever it is. When we allow them to give give their attention and give a concentrated amount of time to something, their heart is following. It's not in neutral. You know, so when we when we talk about, man, porn proofing our home, I say that knowing that that it's impossible. Just like the homeschool kid whose parents were on him around there, it's impossible to keep to keep these voices and these images out. Like at some point something's gonna happen. Yeah. But we can be um preventive we can be proactive oh yeah and right? you can disciple them you will be exposed to this what do you do how do you respond you're on the playground fifth grade kids shows you something on their phone do you know how to respond dude i love so um my kid my son we we go to the same barber hmm. we love our barber now he's killing it. Look at <laughs> that. He, he really is. He's the best. And I've gotten my son into it. It's uh, it's our uh, it's our mandate. Yeah, rite okay. of passage. That's it, man. So we're at the barber a couple weeks back, and uh, there's TVs in the barber shop, and music videos are on, and this music video comes on, which is inappropriate. Mm. And I watch my son lower his head. Mm. And the barber's trying to get him to pull his head up so he can cut his hair. <laughs> and my son looks at me and he says, Dad, there's something on the TV I'm not supposed to see. Mm. And I'm like high-fiving him. Yeah, that's awesome, man. And I'm, and, I'm like, and I'm like, tell that to the barber. And he tells the barber and the barber apologizes and changed the Change show. The and now every time we've been back, there's, there's some, um, it's not music videos anymore. It's like scenery, <laughs> right? I'm like, I'm like, son, you're shaping the barbershop, nice, man. man. Like, He's like, got like John Piper that. sermons on TV now. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> right, when you come in, they're like, put it on the service. That's right, TV I love it. Yeah, yeah. But that's your son, how old? Ten. Ten years old, Ten. recognizing. Recognizing. And knowing how to respond. Knowing I, I can't just, just because I'm out of my dad's house doesn't mean that's okay. I still got to find a way to overcome yeah. that. To but 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 here's the deal in that, too. The other night, I'm sitting on my couch. I got my laptop open, and I check the news. Okay. So I go to Fox News or I go to CNN. I think it was CNN. Don't know which one it was. But I just wanted to check the news real mm. quick. And as I began scrolling down, there's advertisements for swimsuits, mm. bras, panties, the whole nine yards, right? And they're pretty, pretty illicit advertisements, mm. right? So I'm, I'm trying to read the news, and you see the little thing. And I don't know what that says about my algorithm. I know, <laughs> but I'm assuming it happens to everybody. I don't know. Yeah. But, but like these little side pictures, right? And my son looks over, and I see him see it. Mm. And he turns his head real quick. So I shut the laptop, and I said, hey, did you see something inappropriate? And he's like, yeah. I said, yeah, there was something inappropriate in there. I said, I want you to know I wasn't looking at that. Mm. I was looking at the news. But even then, I got a chance to explain That's it. That's awesome. Sometimes, son, That's like good. it's just going to yeah. come at us, whether it's during a game or whether it's during. So I say all that to say mm. we're not going to be able to keep our kids in a bubble. Yeah, We just can't. It's impossible. So, so 
based on your two experience, right? And and I consider you guys experts, right? Experts in the family, experts in pornography, experts in discipleship. Um, man, what what are three or four practical things today our listeners can 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 walk away with when when they want to be diligent mm-hmm. about keeping the hearts of their loved ones pure? That's good. <clears throat> I want to hear Ted say something about the kids and the parents, but real quick, I just want to throw this thought out there, and it's like what you were saying. If you want to keep your home free of pornography, you want to porn-proof your home, I think as a parent it starts with us, right? It's got to start with us, and I think that, you know, like you said, yes, the younger we go, the research telling us the more likely they are to struggle with pornography. BYU did a study a few years ago. They said if you're under 30, you're two and a half times more likely to struggle with pornography. However, in that same study, 75% of married men say they look at pornography. Hmm. And so it's not just a young person problem. It's not just a kid problem. And if we're going to see victory with that generation, we have to experience victory with, with the parents, with the Come older on. generation. And uh, we were talking before the show about Terry Crews. You know, former NFL football player. He's on Everybody Hates Chris, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. He's the host of my family. We watch America's Got Talent. And, you know, great guy, great entertainer, super funny. And he's been really vocal in a lot of interviews about his addiction to pornography as a married man and what it did to his marriage. And he's been married 30 years now. But he said years ago, the pornography first, he said it had led to affairs. It started as pornography, and that's you talk about the lies of the enemy. That's one of the lies is, hey, this is just in your mind. This is just affecting you, which, by the way, even if it only affected our mind and heart, shouldn't that be enough to make us flee from it? But we know it impacts every relationship we have with the Lord, with our kids, with our spouses. And so Terry Crews said that pornography addiction led to an affair, but he kept all that secret. But his wife could tell, you have secrets. And she eventually just asked, what is it that I don't know about you? And he confessed his addiction to pornography, and she walked out. She left. She left him. And that, of course, woke him up like I imagine would any husband. And so he, he starts fighting the addiction probably for the first time and experiences victory from it. And now, by God's grace, they're back together. He and his wife have been married 30 years. Wow. He, he talks about it a lot. But he talks firsthand about the destructive nature of it, but we also see the blessing when you have victory. So I think first we got to say, parents, we got to find victory. Moms, dads, husbands, wives, we can't, you know, we have to take our thoughts captive. We have to see our hearts devoted to the Lord. But let's say you have a mom and dad who are experiencing victory from pornography. How do they disciple their kids to have that same victory? Yeah, no, that's good. And, and just to add on to what you were saying, and man, I've, I've seen the sad stories of the dad who doesn't have victory, mm. not, you know, not taking the initiative with his teenage sons, and mm. you know, hey, him, it's like, hey, if you you know struggle with this, man, he may give him you know a little bit of input, but man, his his platform is gone, and mm. man, I've I've seen that a number of times. Well, yeah, they don't feel like they can disciple their kids in something they're struggling with. Yeah. So because of their struggle, they lose that discipleship. Or, or, or even worse, I've, I mean, I, I've been counseling a couple men lately that their dads encouraged it. Yeah. No. Like their dads were the first one to take them to a strip club. No. Like as a rite of passage when they turned 18. Mm. Like that's – so I'm not even – 
there's a level of yes of of men that wrestle with it and and they're trying to help their children through it or or they're or they're not helping them to it. But there's also a whole another level of men out there that have fully on embraced this sexual revolution, sexual freedom. Mm-hmm. And are yeah. passing that down generationally. It's celebrate. It's encouraged. Yeah, Joe Carter says pornography is becoming an acceptable sin. Hundred percent. He compares it to gossip and things like that that we really don't blink an eye at anymore. But now you're talking about not just accepting it, but encouraging it, celebrating it, which yeah. we also see. We we see couples bring it into mm-hmm. their marriage, right? Yeah. And that yeah. becomes part of their marriage, part of their intimacy. They call it, which we know is not. Well, and, and I would just say this, just I think to bring an amount of sobriety to this conversation, that pornography has an escalating nature to it. Mm. Terry Crews, you mentioned, mm. well, hey, the porn wasn't enough, and so man affairs. Mm. Um, you know, a sex addiction is different than other addictions. With a you know, drug or alcohol addiction, you, read a point, you reach a point of tolerance. You need more. But with porn or sex, you don't just need more. You need different. Mm. And the different is a little more deviant, a little Mm. more taboo, a little more forbidden. That's where it goes. Which leads to more secrecy. Which leads to more more shame, more guilt. Because here's the thing, guys. It's it's not, you know, the shame that we're, we're seeing among college students. It's not that they're watching porn, it's the kind of porn that they're watching. Oh, wow. You know, the, the whole, you know, and the Apostle Paul says this when he's talking to, you know, he's describing the Gentiles and that many of the Ephesians are following. And he says, hey, this isn't how you learn Christ. But he describes them, he says, they're greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Every kind. Think about that. It's not that they're greedy for more. Yeah. They're greedy for every kind. Have you guys noticed how the world's losing its mind when it comes to sexuality? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Man, that, that is the, the reaping, man, of all the sowing of pornography. Mm. And you know, if you look at the stats of child pornography arrest, um, in the, uh, the decade of 2010 to 2020, it increased 2,500%. Good gosh. From the previous decade, twenty five hundred percent. It's crazy. I was in a a, a state uh, you know penitentiary in Arkansas a few months ago, and the number of young guys in there for se- be a sexual offenders, and they all started with pornography. Yeah, and it escalated. Mm. That's that's where it's going. And so this is something, man, for for parents to be sobered by and just recognize because. The, the amount of college students that we see that struggle with same-sex attraction, mm. I'm talking again believers, yeah. is off the charts, yeah. but because of pornography. In so you see a connection between pornography, child abuse, sexual abuse, sex trafficking, depression, absolutely. loneliness, gender confusion, homosexuality. Like, like you see a connection with all of that. Yes. Like pornography is driving a lot of that, right? Yes, absolutely. And, and we know... Again, just from the dopamine levels, and we were talking about earlier, when it raises the, the, the dopamine levels to a natural high, then you know, the everyday pleasures of life aren't that pleasurable anymore. That's right. You know, I see guys all the time, it's like, dude, I used to love to work out and, man, enjoy nature and read, and, but that's kind of boring now. Mm. And, yeah. and so parents need to recognize that, man, Porn is giving unnatural levels of dopamine, and so a lot of a lot of parents will see man their kids just kind of start unplugging from. Hey, I don't really like the sports anymore. I don't like this, and, wow. and so just being aware, 
this is why porn users are much more depressed than non-users. Mm. Yeah, that's that's reality. Yeah, and that's and, that whole AI world. Yeah, yeah. one of the, I was reading um, a couple of weeks ago. One of the new things I'm not. It was new to me. Is AI girlfriends? Hmm. Like one of these AI girlfriends, like had a wait list of fifteen hundred guys. Like like this company, and they they know it's not real. Oh, but they're 100%. okay with that. And and it was set up to where she basically met all of your needs emotionally and even physically in some ways, right through pornography. Oh yeah, but an AI girlfriend. So I think about that. I think about that. How how the good gifts that God's given us, yeah. right? Nature. Um, food, drink, sex, all great gifts that God's given us, right? When we, when we pervert those things, mm-hmm. how, how we become to devalue them. I mean, you were sharing with me earlier that, that men who, who wrestle and are addicted to pornography, they, they prefer fantasy over the real thing, over than sleeping with their, with their wives, mm. right? They actually prefer the fantasy world, the, the, the artificial world. Is that, is, is that what happens? Mm. But yeah, in a, in a lot of cases, you know, each case can be different, but there's a number of guys that they can't climax with their wife unless they pull up that old porn image. Wow. And that happens, you know, to a number of guys. And, you know, we were talking about ED, you know, earlier. But I, I think it's, in, you know, important as we're talking with parents, just, you know, giving them encouragement that this is an opportunity for discipleship with your kids. It's yeah. an opportunity to show them how relevant the scriptures are. Because it's like, man, we can unpack, and I do a lot in my book of, man, here are the destructive you know, impact of visual lust. Mm. Well, who knew visual lust was going to be so destructive? Yeah. I don't know, maybe Jesus in yeah. Matthew 5, <laughs> where he says, hey, if you look at a woman lustfully, you've committed adultery, committed adultery in your heart. That's right. But then the, you know, the very next phrase is, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and Ooh. throw it from you. So Jesus is telling us, hey, this is a big deal, and you need to have a sense of urgency yeah. of dealing with it. Yeah, and, we, man, I just think it's that's a... Incredible opportunity, you know, to use that teaching that, hey, Mm. 2,000 years ago, Jesus was warning us. Now let's look at all all of the impact. Oh, that's Um, good. So just showing the relevance of the scriptures. I was just going to say, I love what you said about opportunity. You know, I think a lot of times as parents, we're talking to our kids about things maybe they're not interested in, they don't care about, you know, we're speaking a different language, Uh, we're answering questions they're not even asking. But when we talk about pornography with our kids, whether they admit it or not, we're hitting on an issue that's there. Whether it's them struggling with it, whether it's their friends struggling with it, they're aware of it. That younger generation, they know about pornography. Their friends know about pornography. Most likely they're talking about pornography with their friends. So parents, if you're not talking about pornography with them, know that they are talking about with their friends, they're hearing about it in the world, and maybe even they're already exposed to it. God forbid, they're already addicted to it. And so like you said, it is an opportunity to truly speak to one of the key issues that's on their heart, one of the key battles that they're facing, but we got to enter into that conversation. we got to yeah. enter into that discipleship. And, and one of the key things that are destroying our homes, oh, right? Man. And, and, and here's what can happen sometimes. Because we swim in these waters every day, um, and I'm not saying we do this, but we have the propensity to take it for granted, mm. right? It's just like you said, you're having a conversation with the dad, and, and, and well, what kind of blocks or what kind of permissions do you have on your child's device? And he's like, what's that? Right. (laughs) Or, you know, the story we shared at the beginning of the show, a kid gets an iPod touch and then he's watching an hour of porn every night. Well, why in the world does he have that device alone in his room? Yeah. 
Like that's that's the equivalent of of handing your child a, a gun, mm-hmm. a loaded gun, mm-hmm. and and giving them absolutely no parameters, no training, no no anything, right? Yeah. So I don't want us to I don't want us to miss the opportunity here to man, when we think about poor improving our home or at least being proactive, yeah. what are some super practical things? Chris Harper, three young men in his home, a young woman in his home. What are what are three or four super practical things that I can start doing today? Mm-hmm. It's not going to guarantee success, but it's certainly going to point me in the direction of success when I'm talking about keeping my child's heart and mind pure. Oh yeah, I, I think you got to have some sort of boundaries, restrictions on the devices, right? Okay. Having a phone or iPad in the room at night by themselves, close the door is one of the most dangerous things we could ever it's do. deadly. Yes. Yeah. And, and so you put these boundaries in place. You have uh, – the second thing is my kids know I bought those phones, I bought those iPads, I'm paying for it, I'm going to check it anytime I want. Like we don't need to this fight for our kids' privacy on their device. We need to fight for our kids' heart and freedom and safety and victory. And then when they ask why do you check my devices, you let them know. You enter into that conversation. And so what I would add, though – a practical thing is so we put these boundaries, these accountabilities in place. At the end of the day, though, you and I have talked a lot about this. We got to get the heart because we put all the boundaries in place. We put all the restrictions. Mm. But at the end of the day, if they want to go look at it, they're going to find a way. They're going to be at their friend's house or something. And so as we're doing that, we don't wait on that. We put those boundaries in place immediately. But then we are praying and discipling and seeking after their heart. We want to win their heart in this area. So I would say specifically to fathers of sons. I have a daughter and two boys. But if you're a father and you got boys, you know they're going to battle lust. You know they're going to. So what I would say is we got to get rid of the shame and the guilt of that. You talk a lot about, Ted. We got to enter in that conversation, let them know, hey, I know you're going to battle this. I know you're going to struggle with the lust. You don't have to feel ashamed. You don't have to feel guilty. You don't have to keep it secret. What we want to have is an open conversation, ongoing dialogue Mm -hmm. about that. That's and and, and I, got, I got a buddy right now, and his son, uh, 15, 16, confessed that he was struggling with pornography. And instead of shaming him or grounding him or yelling at him, he, he loved him. He showed him grace. He showed him the blessings that come with victory, the dangers that come by giving into that. And now they have this ongoing discipleship. I'll be with this buddy. He'll get a text from his son hmm. at 4 o'clock in the afternoon saying, hey, I got home from school, and I'm tempted. I'm tempted right now to look at pornography. And his dad calls him, and, and they pray together on the phone. That's awesome. That's that ongoing discipleship, conversation, relationship that we have to have. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I would just say, you know, it's important uh, for parents to understand, hey, don't use technology as a babysitter. Come on. Man, especially in the early years. I was talking to a, a gentleman of, you know, who, who you know, teaches parents on this. He was like, man— my recommendation based on the science, man, from zero to four, they don't get anything. Mm. It's like, man, you know, instead of babysitting, because that's training them to go to media, man, to get that that dopamine high, and it's training them for, for later. And so, you know, having some standards there, I think, you know, as you said, you know, having the blocks, you know, on our website, we teach parents, and it's actually not that difficult to, you know, turn an iPhone or a smartphone into a dumb phone. And so you need to control the app store on your kid's phone. You're, you're paying the bill. You need to control the app phone, you know, the iPhone. And so, again, we have that, that resource on our website. But having the conversation is critical, you know, early on. You know, we talked earlier about, 
um, that book, Good Pictures, Bad Pictures, but even just that concept. I was, I was talking to a, a gentleman a few years ago, and he had, the, he had the conversation with, man, hey, there's some good pictures, there's bad pictures. This is what a bad mm-hmm. picture is. Hey, if you ever see one, come talk to me. That's good. Well, as a seven-year-old, um, somebody showed him a video on the playground. He came home, and he asked his dad about sodomy. He didn't, he didn't know that word, but that's what he was asking about. Seven-year-old. Seven-year-old. He had, the dad wow. had not had the sex talk yet. But because he had had the talk about, hey, man, there's good pictures and bad pictures, if you ever see one, let's talk. And so, man, because he had de-shamed the topic mm. and put it on the table, man, he was able to have a conversation about this topic, which is, which is huge. And then I would say, you know, finally, you know, particularly for dads with teenage sons, Man, the 30-day challenge, mm. which we have on our website, is just a program. Mm. Man, it educates, and it helps a person understand, hey, the impact on the brain, on relationships. But, man, it also, you know, gives a, you know, an accountability partner, a dad and a son, something That's to, good. you know, talk about. And, you know, it's 10 minutes or less of content each day. Um, but, man, that's a great resource to really disciple your, your, your kid uh, in that specific area. Can you imagine, wow. though, parents having a plan, having resources, ha- ha- having boundaries, having conversations? I, I just feel like we, we, we're entering into the fight at that point. Yeah. Right now we're losing the fight, and right now we're, we're ignoring it. We, we're, we're you know, ignorant to it. We're naive to it. We pretend like it, there's not a battle going on. Mm-hmm. But the truth is we're losing the fight, but what your ministry does, what, what you are calling parents and churches to do is just enter into the fight. And to do it biblically, and to do it intentionally, and to do it consistently. Yeah, and to do it with hope. Yeah, do you not think there's shame, hope? Not guilt, absolutely. But I love what you said earlier. Yeah. You know, there are probably a lot of men watching this right now that are saying, "Man, I'd love to, I'd love to train up and raise my children up in the light of this." But the reality is, I wrestle with it, mm. and I, I, you know, I'd just be an, uh, just a hypocrite, right? Mm. And and you see this, man. You see this with men. You see it with pastors. Like pastors, I've noticed they won't they won't preach or teach about things they themselves wrestle with. Yeah, right. Because they already feel like hypocrites. Right. Right. I've no, any good pastor, anyways. I pastored for many years. You oh, pastored yeah. like any good pastor worth of salt feels like a hypocrite. You battle right? that. Yeah. You, you you battle that. Right. The congruency, but we'll we'll tend to not talk about things that we wrestle with. Mm. Right. So you know, I I just want the men watching this, hearing this, saying, Hey, listen. Man, you've got to share that with someone. You got to share that yes. you're wrestling with this. Yes. And even if you're in the fight, it's okay to lead your family in the fight. It's okay yes. to lead others in the fight, right? You don't have to you don't have to have full freedom right now to start protecting no. your home and to start training up your children. You can do this uh, with with the thought in your mind, man, I don't want them to have the same experiences I've had, the same struggles, yeah. the same the same um, heartache, right? Well, that's what I was going to say is if you're in the fight, you know how devastating it is, how hard it is to find victory. You have all the more reason to double down on discipling your kids because you don't want them to go through. And I would even say discipling your kids in this, leading your family to victory, I think will help you find that victory too. Because when you're spending your time talking with your boys about the harmful effects and about the beauty of Christ, you're preaching to yourself. And when you're talking to your daughter uh, about her purity, you're reminded that every woman out there is created in the image of God. And so I would say, yeah, don't wait till you're just completely free. Jump into discipleship 
And I actually believe that process of leading your family will help you find that victory. Yeah, yeah. So we've heard, we've heard obviously, um, put parameters on devices. And that's everything from video games. Video games are some of the most pornographic things out today. Mm. Grand Theft Auto, things like that. It's insane what they allow in these video games. Um, television, obviously, movies, uh, access to the internet. You know, it went from dial-up to high-speed, changed the game. You mentioned that, Ted, 2006, 2007. So put parameters around those things. I think those that's low-hanging fruit. Yeah. Like, as a parent, if you're not doing that, you know, you're just lazy to some degree. Like, you're being a little bit neglectful, and I'm okay saying that. And you can do that today. Like, you can do that You can start that today. But what you're talking about is the next step. You know, mm-hmm. the conversation and the discipling, yeah, right? The, the heart issues. We want to get to the heart. We just don't want behavior modification yeah. all the time. We want to get to the root of it, to the heart of it, right? And that's, yeah. you know, this is, this is old as time. That's going back to, you know, C.S. Lewis said, God offers us a holiday at sea, but we're content playing mm-hmm. with mud pies in the slums. Yeah. Oh, come on. Well, well missing and, out. And, you know, and I think it's important for dads to recognize what's at stake because it's not just their kid, but it's their kid's future marriage. Come because, on. man, porn is waging war against marriages. That, oh, yeah. you know, there was a survey of divorce lawyers, hundreds of divorce lawyers, 56% of divorces were caused in part by a pornography addiction. addiction. Come on. 56. 56. So the majority. Yes. And so, but think about that. that that's massive. The, the study I referred to earlier out of the University of Oklahoma, six-year study, 3,000 people, they found that if either the husband or wife was watching porn, that couple was two to three times more likely to divorce in the next two years than the porn-free couple. Hmm. One of the best predictors of divorce for a person is the depth of their porn habit. Mm. And this younger generation has a deeper porn habit than any generation in our country's history by far. And so if we're wanting to set our kids up for failure in their future marriage, Mm. in their sex life, man, don't address this issue. Yeah, and that's Mm. marriage in general. Yeah. One of the things we're seeing right now. So this is interesting. For the first time in the history of histories, there are more young people living together than actually married. Hmm. So cohabitation wow. is the highest it's ever been. Wow. Right? And we talk about this at Better Man a lot. And, and I always talk about cohabitation. I had a young man ask me one time, well, what's wrong with cohabitation, right? What's wrong with living with my girlfriend? And I said, well, it's like a, it's like a temporary tattoo. Hmm. And he said, what do you mean? I said, well, I've got lots of tattoos. I said, and temporary tattoos aren't cool. Because mm. temporary tattoos give you the impression of permanence without any of the pain and hard mm. work. I said that's what cohabitation is. Mm. I said you want the you want the impression of permanence without the commitment. That's good, right? And it's just I said it's cowardly in a lot of ways. It's just mm. cowardly, right? But that's uh, why why move towards marriage? Why move towards an emotional and a physical? Um, satisfaction when I can get that artificially, right? Oh, yeah. So, you know, the marriage age today, in 1970, the average marriage age was 23. Today, it's 31. Mm. 31. Because right? like you've been saying, they're satisfied with the fake thing rather than the real thing. Absolutely. And, and it's easier. 
Right? Absolutely. I don't and have to do the hard work. I don't have to pursue someone, serve someone, love someone, sacrificially. And they're not really satisfied. They just feel like that. Yeah. They get the well, temporary <laughs> dopamine right. release. Well, you know, and what's interesting about a, a, a porn addiction, it's actually classified as an intimacy disorder because those who don't have deep intimacy in real relationships, they're much more susceptible to the fake intimacy of pornography. Oh, wow. Man. You know, therapists actually call it dating porn. Hmm. Because, you know, we know that um, oxytocin is one of the bonding chemicals that, man, a husband and wife release when, man, they're skin to skin, when, man, they climax. Mm-hmm. And it's a bonding chemical. God created to, man, help husband and wives, you know, be bonded. The oneness. One but flash, guess what? Yeah. But when somebody's watching porn and climaxes to it, oxytocin is also released. So it's and there's bonding, bonding. to that. And there wow. is a bonding to the actor, the actresses, to sex acts. Mm. And there wow. is this there is this emotional connection. Mm. And and again, you know, as we were talking about earlier, guys and girls run to the fantasy world of fake intimacy mm. because they're always wanted, they're desired. And mm. man, if they're not getting that in their real relationships, man, they're they're, you know, as you think about idols. Pornography is actually hard to beat hmm. because, man, it delivers at the dopamine level. It delivers at the, the chemical level, at the Emotional. sexual level. I mean, it's, wow. a, it's a beast. And, yeah. and so, but recognizing, man, that fake intimacy is undercutting, man, our real relationships and our yeah. real intimacy. And it's yeah. not just marriages. Uh, our ministry, Gospel Family Ministries and Better Man Ministries, we did a state of manhood research project that... Uh, published this year, and one of the things we saw is the amount of men who confessed they struggled with pornography was very similar to the amount of men who said they have no genuine Christian friendships in their life. Yeah. Mm. And like you said, it, it's a substitute for marital intimacy it, to the point to where we're putting marriage off, but it's also just a substitute for any real friendship, relationship, and it's that cycle, right? Uh, we, we look at pornography, that leads to isolation. The more isolated we are, the more they look at pornography. And it's this ongoing cycle. I, I saw it all the time. I have so many brothers in Christ that we'd be running the race together, meeting together, holding each other accountable, and all of a sudden they don't answer my phone calls. They don't text me back. They don't yeah. want to meet up for coffee or torchies tacos. And sure enough, when we finally do sit down, they admit, man, I fell into pornography again. Yeah. And, and it just isolated them. It well, becomes you know, a substitute for friendships. You know it's bad when you're missing Torchy Talk. <laughs> oh, man. If it keeps you in the basement instead of Torchy's, oh, chips and queso. With that queso. I'm kind of hungry yeah, right you now. You got to tap out at that point, bro. It's a problem. <laughs> yeah, that, that should be the measure of sin and idolatry. The first question, would you rather do that than go to Torchy's? And if the answer real. is yes, you got a problem. That's real, you got a problem. That's real. And, and, and here's the reality. I mean, we can laugh about that and, and, and joke about that right now, but it really is. It's a problem it for is. so many. And, and the encouragement today for everyone listening is, one, wake up to that. Mm. I mean, we've got to, to, to realize what culture has made normative. Mm-hmm. Um, God, God's heart is breaking. Mm. I mean, his heart's breaking, right? So as, as families... Um, especially Christian families, we've got to wake up to this. We got to be diligent. I'm hearing diligence. That's the word that keeps coming to me mm-hmm. as you talk, Ted. As you talk, Jonathan, you got to be diligent. Like we've got to be on the wall watching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've got to be on the That's wall good. watching, right? 
So there's practical diligence of controlling screens and controlling devices and, and making sure you're having more relational time and not just artificial time with television and things of that nature. But more than that, I'm hearing relationship, right? Have mm-hmm. a relationship with your children. Um, have open dialogue. One of the things we do at my house, um, as much as we can, we try to have dinner together around the table, mm-hmm. and it's just open discussion. That's good. Everything's on the table, mm-hmm. and it's amazing. Like, like we got into a conversation about the Ukrainian war. Mm. Like, I had no idea my ten-year-old was going to bring that home, yeah. right? But wants to talk about like what is this and why is this and. And um, so just having that open dialogue with your family, making that a consistent thing. And then, Ted, to to your point and what you've said so well is when it happens, because there's a good chance it's going to happen, mm-hmm. right? Don't, don't create an environment of shame mm-hmm. and guilt and punishment and because um, that's just going to drive them more inward, which is then just going to propagate the cycle again and again and again. But um, encourage and uplift and and show them the truth of God's word. Um, I, I love that. Any last thoughts on on, on how we protect our homes? <clears throat> Just real quick with that, in place of that shame and guilt, you know, the gospel words that come to mind are words like grace yeah. and forgiveness, restoration, and your whole ministry, Ted, is freedom. And yeah. just the hope out there, you know, there's a lot of devastating, scary, heartbreaking realities that we, mm. we need to be able to talk about. We, we can't hide uh, from them or pretend they don't exist. And yet, as we talk about them as Christians, we never do it in a depressed way or defeated way. We do it with great hope. Yeah. Uh, because biblically, we know that in Christ, there is grace, there is forgiveness, there is restoration, there is hope, there is freedom. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And I think, you know, focusing on that and again, just taking the opportunity to look at this very modern-day issue of, man, internet pornography and looking at the Scripture and, man, how the Scripture gives us very practical things to do yeah. related to it and making those connections. And so I think having that conversation and, and making it an opportunity for an ongoing conversation, and, and I think I think the grace piece is important. I, I've known some parents that they're their strategy has been, hey, I'm going to blow up so big, they're never going to want to look at you know porn again. Right. That's, a, that's a horrible... That doesn't uh, work. That strategy. doesn't work. That, because the shame is like, okay, they're never going to talk to you about that yeah. again. So right. you, it's, 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 it's over. And, and so yeah. if you've done that, man, go back and, and apologize and say, hey, I, I, I know this is a, a huge deal. Hey, let's talk about it. If you, mm, you know. man. And so I think... That, that's such an important piece, and to have a vision for that's that good. that relationship and that discipleship is huge. Yeah, that's such a good word, Ted. Man, Jonathan and I are blessed to have you with us, man. It's been it's been so good. Uh, we've learned a lot. Oh, I know we've man. both learned a lot. The Freedom Fight, the new drug and the truths that set us free. You guys have got to check out Ted's book. The website, thefreedomfight.org. Man, tons of resources. Oh, yeah. uh, somebody is watching this right now, and and you've been looking for help, Uh, you've been looking for freedom, man, don't miss this opportunity uh, to find it. Check out the Freedom Fight. Ted, so great you're with us, man. Hey, good to be here. Thanks a lot.